Wish everyone a happy Easter and declare the truth that he is risen. How exciting is Easter Sunday. And as we're reminded of the truth of what that really means, it just, it just stirs my spirit and, and makes me very excited because I realise the truth of what he is risen actually means for me personally. The other day, uh, yesterday, um, because we're going away, yesterday I thought we better clean the house because Craig's going to come and mind the house while we're away. So I wanted to sort of, you know, leave it reasonably tidy for him. And, and um, I was cleaning down the ledge above the uh, washing up sink and there was this cup and in it were all these dead seeds. And uh, I said to him, oh, can I just throw these out? He said, no, 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 we've got to keep those. I said, but they're dead, it's no good. And he, and he told me this story about a plant that he had and he said, um, I, bought, I went to Bunnings and I bought this plant and I put it out the back and we'd gone away and, and unfortunately when we came back, the plant had died, it was just a dead stick, there was nothing on it. And so he just sort of picked it up and thought, well that's no good, that's had it. So he put it round the side of the house and uh, so time went on. A little while later, a few months later, he um, was going around the side to clean up some things. And when he went around there, he saw this plant had actually um, grown and uh, it was like this. And so what had looked like that's totally dead, that there was, in fact, it had been discarded because it was dead. It came with sun and rain around the side, had... uh, come to life and uh, this beautiful plant and he was telling uh, Don about it on Friday and Don said well that's just us that's what we're like really it's like our lives are totally had it that there's nothing and we could be discarded as being you know what's the use look where look where they're at and then sort of put on the scrap heap but um, because of what Jesus has done in our lives He's given us hope, he's given us an eternity, and because of that, we have this beauty that is beyond description with him living in us. And I think this is what this is all about. The cross marks the spot where death was beaten, and we get to have amazing life because of that. True beauty is, is, comes alive in us because of Jesus and what he has done for us. So I, mean, I believe that Easter means that death does not have the final word. Jesus' resurrection is a no to death as being final and a yes to ultimate life. Ultimate life being offered to every person. Now this hope that, about, you know, that uh, Jesus offers us, it's not just in our physical life, although of course that's the best of all, the fact that we get to live eternally with God, that beyond this short life that we have the hope of eternity and the hope of eternal life with Jesus and with all people who choose him. It's not just that, it's also in relation to our um, dreams. Sometimes we can feel that a dream that we've had has died. And we can even discard it and put it aside as if it's gone. But as Joel was saying earlier, with Jesus, nothing, if he comes to that dream in our life and it's for his purpose, for what he wants for us, he will bring it to life. And it may seem like it's gone, but if you trust him and you allow him to work in your life, he will bring it to life. It might be 
that, that the hopes that you have for your family seem like they've died. But with Jesus, it's a no to death and a yes to life. Maybe you've had words spoken over you that you feel like they've, you know, they've put something on your life that's dampened your life and put you down and you feel like, well, look, this is what was said about me. This is what I'm going to be or not be. Well, with Jesus, it's a no to death, a no to the curse that those words can bring and it's a yes to life. That's what it means when the cross marks the spot where death was beaten. It's no to death and yes to life in every circumstance. Because in Revelation 1.18, Jesus says this, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. I love that expression. We talked about it on Vision Sunday and it comes up here again. Jesus holds the keys. Now, we know that our keys are precious to us because we know without them, we're locked out of so many places. We can be locked out of our car, we can be locked out of our house, our work, gates, whatever. And so the keys are important to us and our keys let us into places where we are welcome because we have the right of entry. And so... We have these keys that get us in to the place that we want to go. Whoever has the keys, if you have the key, then you have authority to enter that place. Would that be right? If you have a key, you have authority to enter. Now, when Jesus came forth from the tomb on Easter Sunday, he said, look, I'm holding the keys of death and the grave. And so even although Satan may have the gates, Jesus has the keys. And he is going to make the way for us to enter in and defeat death once and for all and receive life forevermore. The fact that he holds the keys is positive proof that death has been conquered, that the grave cannot do its work that it wants to do. And the declaration that he made that day says that death has been beaten. Once and for all. So we, it's, a, it's reason for celebration, isn't it? Jesus is alive. Though we die, though we die and we will die, we will not stay dead. It says the gates of hell will not prevail. And why is that? Because Satan has the gates, but Jesus has the keys. And when we accept Christ, we get the keys so that we can enter in. To all that Jesus has, we have too. All the, the privileges, all the rights that Jesus has, we enter in as well. So the cross is the place where Satan tried his darndest to do his worst. This was his best effort at doing his worst. But actually, in ignorance, he was helping Christ he was helping God to achieve purpose, the purposes of bringing us life. He wants to keep us dead. He wants to keep us away from the promise of life in all its fullness. It says that Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. Has anyone had, the, had experiences in their life where you feel like the enemy has tried to steal things from you? Have you ever had experiences where you feel like the enemy is trying to destroy you or rob you? Have you had those experiences 
Well, Satan has been defeated because Jesus has come to give life in all its fullness, abundant life, life forevermore. And so actually, what Satan tried to do at his worst on the cross, he made the way for God to accomplish the greatest work of all. So the cross marks the spot where death was beaten. Because if Jesus hadn't died, he could not have conquered the grave. So the resurrection gives us hope. Now, what does that really mean for you and me personally? Well, I want to look at the account in John's Gospel, John chapter 20, because I think this is the most personal encounter that anyone has had with the resurrected Christ. John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. You can either turn to your Bible or follow on the screen. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him so that I will go and get him. Mary. Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. So here we have Mary. She loved Jesus. He was her life. He had given her hope. And here she is at the graveside weeping. But the word there for weeping is not just shedding a few tears, but actually wailing in grief. Grief stricken beyond what you can imagine and absolutely crying out in grief that her saviour, 
Her saviour has gone. The Bible said that Peter and John left, but Mary wasn't going anywhere. It actually makes you wonder, did she have anywhere to go? And you know, for some of us today, like Mary, Jesus is just not an addition to an amazing life we already live. Jesus has given us life. And before Jesus, we were aimless. Or perhaps we were broken or even lost before Jesus. But Jesus has come into our life and he has given us purpose. He has given us direction. He has given us meaning. And if he's gone, then like Mary, we've got nowhere to go either. And so Mary's at the graveside and she's weeping because she is despairing. And she feels that she's lost everything. Meaninglessness is setting in on her. Because if Jesus can't conquer death, then death rules. And if death rules, fear rules. Because if I die, and when I die, it's all over, then this short life on this planet seems very meaningless. And I think she's dealing with the despair that many humans deal with. They look at life and they think, is this it? You know, 60, 70, 80 years, if we're fortunate. And then it's over, I just die and I cease to exist. There's nothing more. She's dealing with real emotion here. These are monumental feelings. They are, she's emotionally lost. She's mentally despairing. And even maybe physically, because where does she go from here? And you know, Mary encounters the angel. Now, if I encountered an angel, I think that would sort of take my breath away. It would awe me if I came across an angel. But you know, it wasn't that sort of experience for her. She was so grief-stricken by the loss of the Savior, by the loss of her Lord, her Jesus that she sees the angel and all she can think is, where, can you tell me, can you tell me where they've taken him? Do you know where they've put him? She just needs to find Jesus. And then she turns around and leaves. And as she goes out, she's still crying. And she comes across this person there. She thinks it's the gardener probably because she's, you know, weeping and she's not seeing. But she just, you know, it would seem like it would be the gardener there at that time of the morning. And she says, if you've taken Jesus, can you tell me where you've put him so I can go and get him? Now, John includes this particular reference to the gardener and to Mary's encounter with the gardener because he wants us to realise that Jesus had risen as a human being. He wasn't a ghost floating around saying, I'm here, I'm back. No, he was real, he was a real human being. And he wanted us to take it literally. He wanted us to see that this was someone who had risen as a human being. He wanted us to see that 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 we would see it and we wouldn't miss it because it would be very easy to miss. 
In fact, Mary missed him, didn't he? Didn't she? She thought he was just the gardener. She, you know, the gardener was just an ordinary, everyday human being, and she just assumed that's who it was. And you know, what happened to Mary in that scene is what happens to so many of us. People assume Jesus is just another man, just like everybody else. A gardener was so ordinary, so average. And so after she asked the question, you know, do you know where you've taken him so I might be able to go and find him? She turns her back because she's still trying to find where Jesus is. She's, she's at that point of despair because Jesus was not able to conquer death. And as far as she was concerned, it's over. And then the Bible says that something happened that changed everything for her. He called her name. In John chapter 10, verse 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He says, Mary. Now she has a back to the gardener, and she hears her name, Mary. The voice of her beloved Lord. Can you imagine how quickly she turned around? It would have been in an instant because she knew that voice and she knew that the the love that was in that voice, she knew that that man had changed her life. He knew her. And so like that, she turned. She was in the depths of despair, but when Jesus called her name, she turned and suddenly, I believe, The world is turning at the same time. History is turning at that minute. And you know, there is one who has come to this troubled planet. And he's perfect. And he is God in the flesh. And he lived the perfect life and he died a sinner's death. He died an excruciating death. And he was buried on the third day. He took the keys of death, hell and the grave and he rose again. He conquered the unconquerable. He conquered our final enemy. He conquered death itself. And in that moment, everything changed. Now really for us, we have to think when he calls our name and he's calling your name today, What's going to be our response? Are we just going to walk away and think, he's just another man. Doesn't really affect me at all. Or when he calls our name, are we going to turn? You know, if we wander without turning, then we leave him in the grave. Because as far as we are concerned, what he has done is meaningless when we don't turn to him. But when he calls us, the resurrection is not just a historical fact, it is very personal. It's for you so that your life would turn around. And so that you know that when you die in this place, your life will be eternal with Christ. And if death has been defeated, then where is the sting? Where is the fear? Where is the sense that I will never see him or her again? 
though our loved ones and family members and friends pass from this planet, because of this turn of events, because of this turn of history, now we can conclude that we will spend eternity not only with Jesus, but we will spend eternity with our loved ones if they simply put their faith in Jesus. This is the definition of hope. Mary turned and now, instead of despair, anguish, there is elation. She is face to face with the death-conquering saviour. And what does she say? She doesn't say rabbi, which most people called him, which means teacher. She says rabboni, which means my teacher, my Lord, my deliverer, my life. No one could set me free, but you did. And now you have conquered death itself. So even when I die, I shall live. And then she held on to him because she didn't want to let him go. And you can tell from what Jesus said. He said, don't, don't hold to me because I've yet to ascend to my father. And what he's really saying is you don't have to hang on to me like that because I'm never going to leave you again. I'm never going to forsake you. And even though for three days when Christ was in the, was in the grave, God left us. God left humanity at that time. Nevertheless, now, when Jesus rose and took the keys and opened the door to eternal life, he says to us, he promises us, I will never, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then he tells Mary to go and tell the others. I think it's interesting. In that day, women were counted as very little. They were, on the, they were the lowest rung in society. Not only that, she'd been a prostitute, so she was even lower. And Jesus says, Mary, you go and tell the others. Jesus turned things all upside down when he comes. And she went and she found them and she said, I've seen him. He's alive. He called my name. And the message is simple. It's your turn. It's your turn. God is calling you and he wants to turn your life around. Right now. Right now he wants to mark the spot once and for all. The death is beaten. In every aspect of your life. He will turn your despair into hope. And your hope into peace and into confidence. This is what God will do for you. So how do people live without Jesus? How do people live without hope? Without the hope of eternal life? Jesus said, I've written this book so that by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, you may have life through His name. No other name. We're not just on this planet breathing our way through life for a few years and then in the grave dead. We are here so that we can go from this life to life forevermore with Jesus. 
that's why he came. So that death would be beaten and we can have eternal life forever with him. So I pray today that it's your turn. That you will turn everything over to him. That you will see him as he calls your name. And you will see and you'll respond to the life that he is offering you. The cross marks the spot where you turn. You have a choice, life or death. What are you going to choose? Invite the band to come. There's no other name than Jesus. And this morning, if you've never turned, if you've never heard him calling your name, he is calling you and he's saying to you, I love you. I did all this for you. I made a way whereby you could have life forevermore and life in abundance right now. And maybe this morning you said, I want to turn. I want my life to turn around. Then I'm going to invite you to come forward if you want to so we can pray for you. Or perhaps up the back we have the timeline of people who said, this is when I turned. This is when I turned around and received life forevermore. You might want to go to the back and you might want to say, today is the day, 2015, when I'm turning my life around. When I'm going to receive the promise. When I'm going to allow what was done on that day to be applied to my life and death is beaten once and for all. Or perhaps you weren't here on Good Friday and you want to go and mark the spot when that happened for you. There's going to be time now while we're singing. You can come forward and pray. You can go and do that if you would like to. But let's not go out of this place this morning without responding to Jesus who is calling my name. He's calling your name.